another edition of the Camera Books Podcast, Above and Beyond. On this podcast episode, I interview Keaton Thomas. Keaton is a former Marine Corps supply officer. He has an aeronautical engineering degree from the Naval Academy, and he transitioned a few years back and works for A.T. Kearney. A.T. Kearney is a management consulting firm, and so really the bulk of this conversation focuses in and around consulting and what he does as a consultant. And so we first we dig into that a little bit. We you know he essentially calls what they do kind of like being the doctors of business. So he talks about bouncing around from big problem to big problem and, and what some of that looks like. But we do go a little bit deeper into some of the analytics. You know, a lot of what he does is pretty heavy and deep analysis on um, organizations, whether it be operational issues or costing problems or things of this nature. So he tries to explain that a little bit to give us some perspective. We also get into just the career path in general. You know, he started as an analyst and then he made his way to associate. Now he's a manager. So talk a little bit about that. Um, and then toward the end of the podcast, um, I ask him for um, things he's working on and some of the advice that he would give and we kind of go down that road a little bit, and, and I liked it because it's very unique, and it's it's um, it's applicable to a lot of the ways that we solve problems and ways that we can look at problems differently and approach them from different angles in order to be successful. He also gives a, uh, a recommendation of a book he's reading that I think would be helpful um, along the way. And so great conversation with Keaton. I think you'll enjoy it immensely and uh, pick up a few things along the way. If you want to know more about Cameron Brooks, two great places to go. You can go pick up a copy of PCS to Corporate America on Amazon or go straight to our website, Cameron-Brooks.com. Tons of open source material. If you're a transitioning military officer or even thinking about making a transition from the military, it's a great place to start, great place to get information that can help you learn more about a potential transition. Um, okay, without further ado, here's Keith. All right, Keaton. Hey, thanks so much for taking a few minutes out of your busy schedule to uh, share your experiences with those that listen to this podcast. Good to chat with you again. You too, Pete. Okay, so let's kind of kick it right off. Why don't you just give, give for, for those that are listening, why don't you give us a little taste of your background? You know, t tell us about where you went to school, what you did in the military, and kind of leading up to your transition. For sure. Um, so I grew up in Fort Wayne, Indiana, was there for the first 18 years of my life, and then went to the Naval Academy. Um, went out there, had a great experience, uh, majored in aeronautical engineering, um, and decided that I wanted to go into the Marine Corps. So I went down, went to TBS, did that, um, was interested in aviation, so I got an uh, aviation slot, went down to Pensacola in uh, 2011, started doing all the flight school stuff. It was a one of those times where there was a big backlog and too many pilots there, had some maintenance issues, et cetera. So wasn't getting a ton of flight time and saw a lot of my other Marine Corps buddies out there, um, you know, lead Marines and stuff. So I decided to redesignate and became a supply officer. So then I spent my next about three years in the Marine Corps as a supply officer working out of Camp Lejeune, North Carolina, uh, mostly with 2nd Supply Battalion, a lot of the supply, logistics, distribution, um, Pre-positioning programs was one of my big things, so I went out and did some of the different amphibious operations as well as the pre-positioning uh, equipment in Norway. Um, got to have some great experiences doing that. But then I decided that uh, 
you know, I wanted to try something else. I was ready for the next chapter in life. And so one of my good friends from the Marine Corps um, had also worked with Cameron Brooks, made the recommendation for me, um, wound up seeing how, what the deal was and had a great feel for the organization and what it had to offer, um, did a great job in preparing me. And then I took a job at uh, um, AT Kearney, which is a management consulting firm. Um, it's about 63 or 64 offices now across 40 countries. And so I get to go and help a lot of different, uh, both civilian and government organizations, solve some of their biggest um, operational and uh, cost type problems. So uh, okay. I had a great time doing that over the last two and a half years. Let's do that. Let's let's kind of go a little deeper there because two things. One, um, you know, I think when people think of consulting, they automatically think of some names that they recognize, like PricewaterhouseCoopers or Ernst & Young or something like that. And, and then the other thing I hear is people say, hey, I want consulting. I want consulting. And I say, well, you know, what what do you perceive consulting to be? And it's not quite what it actually is kind of on a day-to-day -day piece. So one, could you go a little bit more specific on who your company is and what they do. You guys have a great website. I spent some time on that over the last few days, and it really, it really is, it seems like your company is very special. AT Kearney is very special in kind of who they are and what they do. So maybe you can share a little bit about AT Kearney and then a little bit about like, okay, you're, you're a consultant. What exactly does that mean and what exactly did you do? And let's do that because you've been promoted a couple of times now. So let's just talk about what you did when you first came out of the military, when you left the Marine Corps and made the transition. Absolutely. So AT Kearney is uh, one of the big management consulting firms. So as you said, you're going to hear about your McKinsey's, your Deloitte's, um, a lot of the other big um, Bain's, BCG's, all the other big consulting groups. And we compete with them in a lot of different categories, but we're not quite to the scale of some of those bigger firms. We're a, we're a mid-tier firm, over a billion in revenue, um, over 3,000 okay. consultants. So we've got some scale to get to different industries. So we can do everything from we do healthcare, a lot of um, consumer product goods, our government practices growing. We do a lot of automotive cost reduction stuff, a lot of telecommunications um, all around the world. Um, so there's a lot of different things that we do. What, the easiest way that a, a lot of us like to explain it is we're basically the doctors of business, where somebody, if you get sick, you know, first you'll try your own first aid and you'll, you know, drink your water and take a Motrin or something like that. But once you get to the point right. where you can't solve it yourself, you're going to go to the doctor who's going to be able to have a different set of tools that they can bring to help you get better. Well, that's basically what we try to do for businesses. Um, when it's something that's just outside the scope that hasn't seen that type of problem before, since we just bounced from big problem to big problem, we've seen it more and can, uh, can bring that other perspective. Um, it's a great firm. I'm a, humongous fan. I think we've got a great, um, great environment, very collaborative, very collegiate. Um, it's a great time. Um, so when I first came to AT Kearney, I had no idea what consulting was. I thought these consultants are just guys who come in the room and sit in meetings and talk about a bunch of stuff that they may or may not know. Like, I didn't really understand, like, <laughs> what it was to be a consultant. <laughs> so I got to find out firsthand. So when I came in, I came in as a senior business analyst. So I did not have a master's degree. So I came in at a position between what we would hire someone out of undergrad and what we would hire someone with an MBA because I had that real world experience, but I didn't have the full business um, knowledge that you'd get from an MBA program. So I came in and was doing a lot of, a lot more of analytics. So there was a lot of kind of spreadsheets and thinking about problems and framing approaches, but it was nice because you have the manager and the associate over you that have a little bit more experience to help guide you through that process. And then just the in general consulting approach of 
like understanding the problem, developing a baseline, hypothesizing, and then going through analysis to test your different hypotheses to figure out how you can solve a solution, how you can optimize a network, things of that nature. Um, so then I, I enjoyed that and it was great. And so that was where I was really more focused on being handed the problem, kind of given most of a structure and kind of just having to execute it. Um, did that for about nine months and then I was uh, promoted to an associate, which is the role that you'd come in with an MBA. So then I got to the point where I'm more structuring the problem. Instead of just trying to do the analytics, it's more, hey, here's, here's the problem, come up with an approach. And you still have those managers and those partners that you're working with who are going to bring in their experience to help guide you through structuring the approach, um, but got to get into that like next level problem solving. So I think it was a great ramp up period of time for me to get my feet wet. And then just recently, a few weeks ago, I was promoted to manager. So now moving up to the point where I'll have a, a series of associates tackling the individual problems, and then I'll be doing a lot more of the hiring coordination with the client, as well as um, assisting the different associates and junior members of the team and bringing all the analysis together to solve that bigger, higher level problem. Excellent. And congratulations, by the way, on, on your promotion. I, uh, I saw that this Thank morning you. when I was looking at your LinkedIn profile, and uh, that's fantastic. Because that's, fa I don't know, maybe not, but boy, that seems fast, Keaton. You're in the senior business analyst job for less than a year. You're doing the associate job uh, for a year or so, and now you're already off to manager. That feels fast to me. Is that fast? Um, so, yes, it is. Um, actually, that's one of the things that AT Kearney as a firm has been trying to do to continue to incentivize collecting top talent is to um, shorten that period of time to partner and allowing a larger um, differentiation between those who are um, ready to move forward. Um, so that's been something that's been great organizationally, as well as I think that's something that the military sets you up for incredibly well. Um, one of the things when I was interviewing that they kept asking me was, Keaton, you're, in, you're a company commander. You're in charge of 120, 130 Marines. How are you going to deal with being the lowest person on the totem pole? And I was like, I can't wait because now I'm only responsible for my mistakes, <laughs> which I thought was great. But um, it, was right. good to, yeah. it was good to come in at that level, though, and learn the, those, those hard skills of the analysis and the structuring things. But then as I started to progress, it really just moved me right into what I had already known. I had originally, when I mm -hmm. came out of the military, thought I wanted to just go into operations leadership type roles. And so that's mm -hmm. honestly where I'm getting to now. So I feel like as I grow, it only accelerates because I'm now able to pull in more of those soft skills that somebody else who had maybe gone straight into business doesn't have the type of experience and can't progress as quickly at, at those tiers, which is kind of where I'm at now. I definitely want to ask you about, you know, your decision to do what you're doing versus what your your Marine Corps experience was uh, was pointing you to and some of the conversations we had. I, there's just so much to dig into relative to everything you just said. I want to hit, ask you a couple of follow-ups, though. Um, the first question I want to ask you is, so you came into the senior business analyst role um, and you were doing kind of heavy data, he heavy analytics. And, of course, you're an aero engineer from the Naval Academy. You, did, you had some supply experience from the Marine Corps. So, you know, you had the aptitude for analytics through, you know, your, uh, your intellect and your, your um, undergraduate uh, degree. And then certainly you had some of the analytics going, doing some of the supply work that you did in the Marine Corps. You know, so I'm trying to formulate the question. I mean, can anyone just go in there and do it? Or do you feel like, you know, based on your experience, you were set up to go, you know, do these 
deep dive analytics? Did you, you know, how steep was your learning curve? I just want to hear more about, you know, that initial role, the challenges of it, you know, how you were able to overcome it and be so successful so quick. Absolutely. Um, so yes, there's a there's a large. Um, I would say we have a, a large number of engineering majors that wind up coming in at the junior ranks into the firm because of the uh, analytical aptitude. So I definitely would encourage anyone who's interested in this type of a consulting career that you definitely get familiar with particularly Excel because most of our clients don't have MATLAB or C++ and if they do, they don't really want to operate in those for normal day-to-day -day types of business decisions. Like getting into Excel and getting comfortable with you know, working the numbers and once you get a big data set, how you actually like pull something out of it and use it. And those are some of the things that I started doing in my job when I was still in as a supply officer in the Marine Corps. I just saw things with this big data sets and I'm like, this is inefficient. We have individuals going through and trying to sort things like, how do I find a better way? And if you're the kind of person who always asks yourself, like, how do I find a better way and enjoys getting into the weeds and trying to find a better way to do it? That was a lot of what it was to me. So like it was an easy transition in that regard, but it definitely want to have that analytical aptitude as well as consulting is just as much a business about people as it is about the numbers because building the client relationships and getting them to actually buy into your solution and be ready and eager to integrate it is just as important because we don't actually stay through many of our integrations. We come in, we do our analysis, we make our recommendations, we help to develop a plan for execution but we don't actually, we're not on the floor necessarily at every place where this process will get rolled out. So then building that, that collaborative relationship with your clients and getting their buy-in, which is another skill coming straight out of the Marine Corps. When you're, any officer can tell you that not all the time are your senior enlisted going to agree with what you have to say, but those skills of how to persuade and get those people to buy in um, also translate directly. So it's a good combination of the hard and soft skills. I'd say that a broad range of people can do it, but you definitely want to take your time and understand analytics and Excel and, and enjoy those types of things, or it's going to be a little bit, uh, a little bit tougher on you. That last point, that last, very last thing you said is, is probably really key and enjoy those types of things. You know, I think maybe some people can do, you know, maybe more you know, people can do the analytics, but, but it's, it's more than just, yeah, I know how to use the tool and, but I really don't like it. I just use it because out of necessity, whatever, but really, Hey, I kind of like digging in not only the, you know, the people piece a lot for a lot of military officers right there, but it's really finding enjoyment. Now I'm going to, I'm going to put you on the spot here a little bit. Like when you say deep dive on Excel, I mean, are you talking like things more advanced than pivot tables and V lookup and things of this nature? I mean, how, how deep are we talking here? Um, it depends on the client situation. There's going to be plenty of problems that you can solve with, a bunch of um, V lookups and pivot tables, but sometimes it's going to get more complex. So one of my more recent projects, I had to do Monte Carlo simulations, and I had no idea what that even meant when I first was handed this task. But basically, they said, "Hey, I need you to do basically the scenario analysis and determine." We basically had five different competitors in this competition and had to figure out which one, which characteristics were more likely to make someone win based upon how we scored them. So it's like a selection process for an acquisition. And so we're going through and have to change all the different levers and run through thousands of different scenarios of if these different people perform to these different expected levels, 
who's going to win, how often, what do our winners look like, what percentage of the time. So I built an Excel model that did that. So it got into wow macros and a little bit of EBA scripting and things of that nature. So that's more the high end versus the pivot tables, index matches, things of that nature that you'll use more regularly. But if you um, have the ability and can start looking into those more complex things, those that's the, uh, the upper limit of, I'd say, what we get into when it gets beyond that level. We bring in our specific procurement analytics group that will take it to the C++ right. type of coding stuff. It's interesting because, you know, even VLOOKUP and pivot tables, uh, you know, are, are considered somewhat advanced. But in your, in your situation, that sounds fairly routine and day-to-day, -day, you know, I, so that's great. That is super. And uh, I just read about Monte, Monte Carlo simulation literally in a, within the week. <laughs> but for you to say that is uh, pretty interesting. Although when you started going down that, going down it, I felt like I was getting a little bit lost there. So we'll uh, just pull it back. Uh, pull it, let's pull it back a little bit. Um, the other, no the other point that you made that I thought was uh, a very interesting way to describe what you do. You said you're, we're the doctors of business and, you know, we, companies would self-diagnose and, or maybe not self-diagnose, but help, try to self-treat initially and then can't fix the problem. And, and so could, maybe you could just kind of round that out descriptively, because what I, what I'm hearing you say is, a, you know, there's, there's an issue and maybe you can help us understand what quote an issue could be or might be. And so there's an issue and the company's like, well, let's get this fixed. And at some point it just costs too much, either in money or time or personnel resources or whatever it is. Like, we can't fix the problem, and this is not our core. We, we do this other thing really well. It's why we exist as a business. We need someone else to come and fix our problem, as you said, doctors of business. Like, what, what kind of problems are we talking about here, though? So on my side, what I've done is a lot of cost work particularly. So one good example, I had a client who's a um, large global auto client, they uh, produce components that go into a wide variety of different vehicles. And they came to us with a cost problem. They had been doing incredibly well. They had double digit growth year over year. They were expanding facilities globally. But with that, their profits were, their margins were coming down because with the great expansion, but they weren't growing efficiently. So we went into the procurement organization and we first asked them, so how many you purchased for the entire global company, correct? And they're like, yes. How many facilities is that? They had no idea. It took two weeks just to figure out how many plants they were actually purchasing goods for. So some of the organizations don't actually, they've been growing hand over fist and just don't know. They're just, I get an order in, I just buy parts and I just ship them. They're not actually putting a lot of thought into where do we purchase from? Can we pull these together into bulk orders to lower costs? And so it's kind of just taking a step back, doing that baseline, figuring out if everything we're buying is from an intelligent supplier, that makes sense in this scenario and how we can do that to make the whole organization run more efficiently and lower cost. Great. Um, kind of along those lines, could you, could you help us understand, this will be probably a difficult question to answer just because the variability in the answer, but can you, you know, what is, what's the day-to-day -day look like for a manager? And I know you're new to the role, but obviously you've been working around managers since you started. What's the day-to-day -day look like for a manager at AT Kearney? So day-to-day, -day, it's a lot of balancing of a lot of ongoing tasks. So it's not, not dissimilar to a lot of people's probably military careers um, in that we have our 
clients that we're talking with probably have a um, update daily, if not maybe every two days, just to update on the current situation, what's been going on, um, then meeting with all the different teams to see where they're at in their analysis, helping them work through all the different problems that they have, just kind of doing those status updates there, working on culminating that into a overarching, largely PowerPoint presentation, which maybe different teams will be creating components of, but pulling it together into a cohesive story so that you can then update the partner on the status of how things are going and then make any adjustments that you need to along the way. Um, and then keeping the client informed of those with probably uh, weekly or so updates to the client with a different presentation of how the progress has been going and if we need to make any adjustments, if we've disproven any hypothesis, if we want to test something different, um, et cetera. So it's a lot of coordination between teams, probably aggregating some PowerPoint slides, knowing enough that I can dig into the Excels of other groups to make sure that it's pressure tested and that it's viable, um, but not necessarily being in the weeds doing it day to day anymore. Okay, you say anymore. So, and you alluded <laughs> to this earlier, so we don't have to go too far down this road. But, but there was a day in time, maybe specifically when you first started, where you were heavy into the weeds. Exactly. Now, when you were when you were heavy into the weeds, so to speak, when you when you um, when you came in as a senior business analyst, were you on a plane Monday coming home Thursday? Is that generally what you're doing now? What is, what does the travel schedule look like for you as uh, in consulting at AT Kearney? Yes, that's that is accurate. So every Monday morning I jump on a plane. I'm home usually every Thursday night. Um, it depends on where the client is. So some of our projects will be local. So it depends somewhat on where you want to live because there's a good amount of flexibility with where you live considering we do travel to our clients. So being in defense, I do a lot of my work in defense, but not all. So having lived in DC, there were a good number of local projects in DC. So I could have gotten staffed on some of those and just gone into our normal office on a regular basis, but I opted for the, excuse me, traveling project and was largely okay. gone Monday through Thursday. So it somewhat just depends on what clients you get. That's the, the normal rhythm for us. So you're, you're, you're killing it on airline points and hotel points, right? You're just, you're just on the road. Yes, and uh, which meant I had a very lovely vacation a week or two ago that was all paid for on point. So there's <laughs> also perks to that. Yeah, that's right. That's right. There's a sacrifice, but there's a there's a payoff on the on the on the other side. So so and you like I mean you like you said you opted for that. So is that what you wanted? You wanted to be on the road. You wanted to be at the client site, kind of doing that whole thing. Why did you opt for that? So a couple of different reasons. One, I like the idea of getting into the client side. I didn't want to be a person who just sat in a cubicle and punched away at numbers, although I do analytics a good amount of the time. A, uh, a good, the fun part to me is actually sitting down with the client and going through the problem and all the things that the analytics are there to enable, not just the analytics for the sake of crunching numbers. So getting out to the client site was very exciting for me, as well as it is a very time consuming industry. Like you're, you work well above the 40 hour regular of a normal office job. So sure. to me, it was also easier to be focused to say, I'm going to go away for four days. I'm going to focus. I'm going to work hard. I'm going to put in the time and get everything in order. Then Friday, lighter day, weekend, pretty protected. So it was easier for me to just flip the light switch to be in work mode, go out and get it done and then, then come back and enjoy my, my time home. 
So what is Friday? So you're you're in your home. I assume you're in your home office on Friday. So is that catching up on emails, returning phone calls, managing expense report? I mean, what what does Friday look like? Yeah, it's a lot of those things. So all the client work will still continue um, as normal, but a lot of the clients will try to schedule most of the heavy lifting to not be on Friday as well. But then yes, there will okay. be your weekly expense reports, your timesheets. Then there's a lot of other firm activities that we'll do to help spread knowledge across the firm because part of the advantage of a global consulting firm is that you can take and share everyone else's experiences. So we have different mm-hmm. events um, that they set up for us to be able to um, mix and mingle and share experiences and approaches, uh, which help out a lot um, in those types of endeavors, as well as we have a lot of national training days is what they call them, but it's just constant ongoing training that the firm sets up for us to do largely on Fridays to learn about segments that you may have no experience in. For example, I did one all in the evolution of payments and how transactions work and processing through banks and all those kinds of things, just so that if in the future I wanted to go work a project in a completely different industry like banking, you've got at least enough of a background when you hit it day one, you're, you know something and you're ready to go. So a lot of those ongoing trainings as well. That's great. I'm gonna change gears on you here. Um, I wanted to talk a little bit. I know that uh, A.T. Kearney has um, former military folks there. Um, of course, when you came to the conference and interviewed, Tyler was a Navy nuke that was in the Air Force. And so so what's your exposure to other JMOs? Is there a formal or for, informal, you know, kind of military group that meets? Do you, you guys mentor each other in that way? What, what Anything like that on that front? Yes. Um, so we have... We call them affinity groups, but one of our affinity groups is for veterans, and we have a good number of veterans across the firm, some that work in defense, some that don't work in defense. Um, but yeah, it's, it's a good group. We meet together. There's certain meetings we'll have for like all America's meetings, and they'll have specific events just for those, as well as we help out and have our own sector on the, uh, on the recruiting side, because if we're bringing in other people with military resumes, it's probably better to have us review those because we can understand that resume better than someone who who hadn't been and then we just put together some other events for fun just like we all got together and like 20 people flew up for the army navy game in philly awesome. and we had a big tailgate and everything so I'm really sorry about that disappointing game sorry i didn't mean hey, to interrupt it was you fun to say sorry for that disappointment hey it was a good time we sat in the snow <laughs> we had a great time yeah you know yeah that was some, snowball, some. Sure. there's always next year yeah that's right oh yeah Always next year. Love it. Love it. What, and are you, you know, have you, I know you're, you're there now for a few years. Are you able to start mentoring some of those newer military officers or just kind of, um, uh, you know, pouring into what they're up to? Have you started to do that yet? Um, yes, absolutely. So combination of different formal and informal roles, but when everyone's assigned to the firm, you receive a formal mentor um, who is, helps you kind of with like career advice and how to network and manage your way through the firm. Mine happens to be a West Point grad. So um, you may get assigned in that regard formally. Um, and now that I'm a manager, I'll start taking on that formal role. I'm also um, on the team as one of the co-leads for our veteran hiring. So I do a lot of the initial okay. mentoring conversations when people are interested to talk them through the process and get them everywhere up through initial contact through hopefully accepting an offer. And then just when they show up day one, you know, being one of the guys at the front door, helping them find their way around and where to get their computers and all that kind of stuff. So we got a really good network of people that just 
um, help everybody out and make sure we're all know what we're doing. Gotcha. What, what do you, and this is related in a lot of ways, from your mentor or really anybody that's further along in the organization and in their career, have you gotten any good words of wisdom lately that you can share with us? Anything that we can pass on to those who listen to this podcast? Mm, that's a tough one. There's always there's always a lot of them. I think some of the biggest um, words of wisdom I've usually gotten is, is we'll go through an entire analysis. We've spent months all working in one direction, and I've had a couple of partners who will just be like, okay, stop. Like we've been going the entire time in this one path. Let's stop and try to go at it from the completely opposite angle and see if we can see if we can debunk our own arguments. And so just kind of always taking that step back and not getting so lost going down the path you are to keep your mind open to other ideas and make sure that you're looking at a problem holistically. Um, I think it's something that was all that like stuck with me just because it's so easy to get down a track and just keep going because you're getting results or you're starting to get some data that's supporting your story. So you just want to keep going without keeping your mind open to the big picture. Or even progress, right? Okay, we're finally making progress. Let's, why, why would we stop and go back and come from a different right. direction? What, it feels so, you know, counterproductive maybe. Right. But it seems like that's but some you, of the places where you can really reveal uh, gaps in your theory or et cetera. What do you think about that? Absolutely, 100% true. And also, there's a good chance if you're following down a path that may have been one that the company tried internally as well. So maybe we'll succeed in pushing a little farther than they had, but we're not necessarily finding that big looming thing because we fall in the same trap of them of following down the predictable path. So sometimes you yeah, just got to yeah, take yeah. that step back and look look at that opportunity that everybody else has overlooked. I know that your um, final question here, we like to ask these couple of questions here at the end of our podcast. I know that you're you know, you, you've had the opportunity to be exposed to so many new things over the last few years and really grown professionally. Are you doing anything outside of work to grow? Are you reading anything? Are you listening to a, an interesting podcast? Are you focused on any, ex, you know, classes to, you know, development classes or anything like that? What are you up to pro professionally or from a professional development perspective? So a series of different things. I've so when I first joined the firm, there was a couple week onboarding class where they're teaching you basic consulting skills. And then, as I said, there's those ongoing trainings. So at first mm -hmm. I was focusing solely on that. I didn't want to be distracted. I'm like, I want to make sure I can do this very intimidating job well mm -hmm. and efficiently. And so I was very largely focused on that for the first year or so. Then after that, I started looking in some of my firms other opportunities. For example, they can send you back to get an MBA if, you're, if you want to take off a year or two and go do a program. I've contemplated that for a long time and, and at this point have decided against it largely because I didn't want to take the time off to go do it because I was finally getting to the point where I was really in it solving these big, complex, exciting problems and didn't want to go back to two years of solving artificial ones in a book. And I felt like I was learning a lot just through my day to day. So I was like, but I still want to continue to learn many of the things that I would learn in the MBA program, even though I don't want to take the time off. So actually right now I'm reading the personal MBA by um, Josh Kaufman. And I think it's a, it's a really good book. Um, just kind of overall summarizing a lot of different business principles and things that people would get from a conventional business program. You're of course not going to get the breadth of experience that you would get in a um, real life program, but I figured it would be a good starting point and there's a whole ton of other 
um, references in there for specific other books to read to dig into other aspects. So Excellent. that's kind of where I'm at at the moment, and then I'll kind of see where it takes me. I've heard – I'm going to link link that uh, book to Amazon in the show notes. I've heard of the personal MBA. As a matter of fact, it, it's someone else recommended it one time, and I've written it down, but I haven't explored it. But uh, have you been able – have you been able to – you know, I know you're picking things up along the way as you read it. Anything so so um, applicable that you're like, you know what? When I'm in front of the customer on Monday, I'm gonna I'm gonna drop this one on them and see what happens. Any, anything like that happen yet? Um, I wouldn't say they're that profound. Um, a lot of it because he starts out very general to everyone. He doesn't want to start with the um, big details of complex financial problems, et cetera. So it's kind of level setting, getting you through all the basics of understanding things. So I would say at first, it just more helped me formalize the things that I had seen on a day-to-day -day basis so that I could kind of wrap my mind around them from a, I guess, more structured, formal mentality. And then um, I think as I get farther on, because I'm about halfway through it at the moment, um, okay. hopefully get some of those more um, specifically pointed applicable moments that I can throw down on the table. Gotcha. Keaton, this has been great. I um, I love hearing about your experience. I think I think you know just the the detail that you've been able to give us today will provide some some good insight into you know what what does it truly mean to uh, to consider a consulting role. Um, and I think the other thing that I really wanted to take away, and we didn't we didn't go as deep as I as I was hoping or planning to, just because of time's sake, but. Another point that I, I think is really relevant and important is you, you came to the conference thinking you're you know, most focused on your experience of operational leadership and you ended up doing something completely different, different that you're, you're thriving in in a significant way. And, and I think I see that a lot and, uh, and I think that experience will be helpful to a lot of officers who are trying to you know, make decisions and do a broad career search and open up to different things. And so great experience. I, uh, I know you're really busy, and so I greatly appreciate your time and, uh, and sharing your experiences with us. Thanks for being on the call today. My pleasure, Pete.